Did an oral surgeon really say that? We begin her podcast right there. Computers are live. Mixer is up. Levels are good. Equalizer is good. Ready channels one and two. Mic is live in three, two, one. Roll it. Welcome listeners to the My Practice, My Business podcast, where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our clinical business of dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice, My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. This past week, one of our neighbors showed up to our, at our doorstep. She came over to talk with my daughter about their young women's group in our church. Sam was so excited about her new calling to help out her peers. I was in the kitchens scrounging for more food that my body doesn't need. Suddenly, I, I heard Sam say, what happened to your cheek? <laughs> she said she had a tooth removed by an oral surgeon a f- few days ago. Naturally, upon hearing that, I peeked around the corner and started laughing inside. <laughs> it was obvious the oral surgeon probably wasn't having the best day he could have. Her entire side of her face was black and blue. She looked like death warmed over. Tracy asks, asked her to tell us her story, and she did. It was refreshing to, to hear a patient take things in stride and be a good sport with a difficult situation. I loved it. She asked me questions about her condition, and I naturally defended that oral surgeon, as we all should have done. We weren't there. Crap happens, even to specialists. That is sometimes just out of our control and out of their control, right? As she continued with her amazing story of the surgeon's knee against the side of her head and him pulling with both hands, I just knew my sweet wife was going to bring up the most important question of all. Here it was coming. I could see it in her eyes. She was just waiting for a moment, a pause in, a, in the story, the story that the lady was telling, our dear neighbor. And suddenly, here it came. Tracy got her moment of pause in the story, and she asked the question, did the oral surgeon offer you bone to be placed in the socket to preserve the ridge? <laughs> to which our neighbor responded, um, ah, uh, no, what do you mean? Tracy began to teach her about ridge preservation, and afterwards she said, I'm going to call them and ask them why they didn't offer me that beneficial choice. The report we got back from her a uh, day later was this. His office said that bone placement in the socket site isn't very effective. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't even get me started. In the last 15 to 20 years, I have not seen one scientific article stating that ridge preservation is an ineffective procedure. On the contrary, all the articles I've read to date has stated just the opposite, that ridge preservation is very effective. So why don't oral health care professionals routinely offer ridge preservation with every extraction? It's simple. Either they are not comfortable with how to do the procedure or they are afraid of telling the patient the cost associated with ridge preservation. In all the years I've trained offices, I have personally found it to be the latter. Docs 
you and your teams are happy to offer a patient a $200, $300 surgical extraction versus a $1,500 extraction with ridge preservation. From a business point of view, you are not profitable on a 30-minute procedure that only reimburses you $299. And that's if the tooth slips out easily. We all know how some of those extractions can get rough in a hurry, just like the oral surgeon had happened with my neighbor. (laughs) By offering ridge preservation and the patient accepting this wonderful procedure, you now become profitable. More on that a little later. I'm sure that the oral surgeon literally, the competition in Salt Lake City is so strong. There is an oral surgeon on every corner. And I get it. I know you don't want to tell the patient that that extraction could possibly cost more money because you might not present it correctly and that patient might go somewhere else. Every GP has the same problem. You oral surgeons have the same problem. I know what you're thinking. I get it. I understand. But you know what? Stop it. If there is anyone in our profession who should be offering ridge preservation to every patient in need of an extraction, it should be our oral surgeon colleagues. You guys are the ones that we hold in esteem. And and when we refer somebody to a specialist, we tell the patient it's going to cost a little bit more, but they need that special care that he or she can offer as a specialist that we might not offer in our GP practices. Get over it. It's okay for you to charge what you do. I have several patients who have upper and lower dentures with exceptional fit and function. These patients, unfortunately for my job security, have not needed implants to retain their dentures. Is that amazing? And the only reason for this is the fact that they elected to have ridge preservation at the time of extraction. All of them have ridges that could be used for half pipes in the Winter Olympics. You could, you could dock a boat around them. <laughs> you could land a 747 on them. The ridges are huge and intact. That's my stand-up comedy, but you get the picture. The outcome, my, my staff told me that I tell dad jokes over the patient. Okay, I'm, I'm working on it. The outcomes and options for implant placement increase significantly when we maintain optimal dimensions of that alveolar ridge by doing what? Placing bone in the sockets following tooth removal. Without bone placement, folks, that buccal-lingual and apical-coronal aspects of the alveolar ridge, what happens? It quickly becomes compromised. It's, that's been shown over and over that the alveolar ridge can lose up to how much? 50% of its original width and height. If ridge preservation is not completed at the time of extraction, that's a terrible amount of bone loss, which we as healthcare providers are causing when we don't offer this procedure to our patients. <sighs> I implemented this procedure in my practice back in 1992 after I attended an update course from, from clinical research associates. Like They're called clinical research now, right? And it was up in Park City. It was in the middle of winter. It was cold. I didn't like it. Anyway, but what a great course it was. Um, since that time, back in 1992, I can honestly say to all of you listening 
that I have had less than a dozen patients opt out of alveolar ridge preservation and just go with the extraction only. Less than a dozen since that time. Case acceptance is simple for ridge preservation, especially if you give them a document like out of our software, My Dental Docs. I'll put the little plug in there for it because the patient can learn the following from the treatment plan documents in, in this patent-pending cloud-based software that we have. And, and the four key, point, key points that we use when presenting this treatment that's seen on the document is, one, it maintains the periodontal integrity of the adjacent teeth. Your hygienist will love you if you don't create periodontal problems for them to deal with. Two, it preserves the right for future implant placement, period. Three, it maintains the ridge integrity for better implant options. What do I mean by that? So the labs don't have to build a molar on top of a toothpick. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Number four, it improves the fit for fixed and removable prosthetic options should the patient choose to do so, if that's their choice, okay? And they don't want to do implants. One of my favorite procedures that I'm able to perform is placing a three-unit bridge right after surgical extraction with bone preservation. Many of you are thinking to yourself right now, whoa, wait, Rob, whoa, uh, why are you not placing an implant in that extraction site with bone? Well, it's simple. If a patient has a virgin or near virgin teeth on each side of the extraction site, absolutely, I'm leaning them into an implant. No questions about it. But, <laughs> and if they have one crown or a, and a large filling with the adjacent teeth or crowns on both sides of where the extraction is, I'll lean them into a three-unit bridge. Nevertheless, I always give my patients the pros and cons of both a three-unit bridge, if that's possible, if it's not a second molar coming out and there's no third molars, okay? I'll give them the pros and cons of both and let it be their decision. I'm not making that decision. Implants are not the wherewithal. They do fail. And patients seem to hate you. They hate you more when an implant fails, <laughs> guaranteed. Those of you who've been doing it for a long time, you know you know exactly what I'm talking about when an implant fails, and they do fail. Our medical malpractice insurance carrier here in Utah, <clears throat> they constantly, constantly advise us to give the patient choice on the procedures. Of course, you know at MPMB here, we teach you more about choice than you've ever known before and how to be profitable with it. But let me tell you something. There is nothing more wonderful than using my CEREC to produce an amazing bridge right there after the extraction and bone placement. I just did another one this week. I've got this down finally <laughs> to a rocket science. Every one-year post-op has shown minimal resorption of that ridge under the pontic. And I've been using guide or synthetic bone on all of these. And the ridge just stays put. I, and, and, and the pontic is still sitting on the ridge one year later. If it hasn't moved in a year, it's not going anywhere. And another procedure we teach our CAD CAM docs in our training. That's, that's such a fun one just to, just to teach and show the docs what we can do when we do that uh, CAD CAM training with, uh, with our docs. And they love learning and performing this procedure for their patients. And the patients love it. They get to literally walk out of the office 
with a tooth there, with a bridge. Everything looks great. Now, if you don't have CAD CAM technology, can you still do the procedure? Absolutely. I used to do this uh, before I got PrimeScan. I used to do this uh, just by sending it off to the lab. And once you place a guide or bone down in the socket site, uh, everything settles down. You can take a great impression. Tell the lab not to socket the site. Just to build the pontic right on top of where the impression is. And that guide or bone will stay put. It, it won't pull out with polyvinyl siloxane impression, okay? It's amazing stuff. You should try it. For years in our clinical business of dentistry introductory training courses, I have asked nearly thousands of dental offices if they routinely offer socket preservation to every patient that they do an extraction on, especially second molars forward. Less than 10% of our attendees said they do. Being a private investigator in the state of Utah, which you guys know, I, 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 a lot of you know that that's one of the things that I do to, to uh, change the monotony of dentistry every day. <laughs> we all have our hobbies, you know. Used to be golf, now I like to in investigations. I naturally push the questions. That's just what I do. I search for reasons and why my colleagues would not offer this procedure to every patient they treat with an extraction procedure. The answer most commonly uttered was not what I was anticipating when I first started asking this question. Um, the main reason, the common answer that was given was fear. They're afraid. What? <laughs> We're dentists. Why would we fear this? We tackle head-on insurance nonsense. We, we deal with patients who hate us but continue to keep coming back. Children screaming in our ears, you know, bite marks on our fingers, insatiable employees, and meeting payroll twice a month. What in this world does fear have to do with alveolar ridge preservation? So I asked, and the number one reason was the potential of rejection by the patient due to the cost of the procedure. And not just rejection, but the fear that they'll go elsewhere for dental care because you offered them something that was expensive. It just doesn't happen, folks. And if it does happen in that rare instance, and it can, get rid of that patient anyway. You didn't want them. Well, everyone who has attended one of our courses knows exactly what I think of that nonsense. And hence our watermark copywritten company marketing term, the clinical business of dentistry. That's right, it's copywritten. It's been filed. We own it. The clinical business of dentistry, it's just fine to charge for what you do, to make a profit, to provide for you, your family, your team. This procedure is one of the greatest of your healthcare skills you can provide your patient. When your patients understand the why, why you're recommending it, believe me, they will be happy to pay for it. They will almost always choose oral health care over corporate America spending when they become what? Emotionally attached to their recommended treatment that you've offered them. And as all of our clients know who have been through our training will tell you, nothing teaches the why better than the treatment documents out of My Dental Docs, our system. Go to MyDentalDocs.com, check it out. Bottom line, you absolutely need to give your patients the choice because it absolutely should be their choice. Now, again, the four main codes that you can charge your patients are as follows. Of course, D7210, extraction surgical erupted tooth. I'm going to say it again. I honestly don't know what a routine extraction is 
unless it's a baby tooth. And even then, sometimes, ugh. Anytime I remove a body part from a patient, I'm pretty sure that should be classified as surgical something. Well, read the definition, run a... I like to section the teeth. I like to run a, a quarter-round surgical round burr down there so I can get my luxator down there and just take teeth out so smoothly without busting any buckle or lingual plate. It's a bone, okay? I, I love preserving the bone. Uh, D7953, bone replacement graft, ridge, preservation site. Of course, you use that code. Then the uh, D4266, guided tissue regeneration resorbable membrane. I like to use the, the uh, collagen membranes that are resorbable. Um, 7911, complicated suture up to 5 centimeters to hold the membrane in. It's not for the extraction. Another little trick we teach you on dealing with insurance companies. What, Rob, did you just say there? Mm-hmm, yep, get paid for it all the time if you know how to do it. The use of these codes alone makes that procedure valued at over $1,000 in most states on PPO plans. There are four more codes, not just those four. There are four additional codes that one can use that take the above procedure over $1,500 in most regions. Those additional codes are value-added procedures that we teach in the clinical business of dentistry program here at My Practice, My Business. And like I said, when coupled with our explanation to the patient and informational documents from My Dental Docs, our patients rarely say no to this amazing procedure. They just don't. (laughs) Fear not, my friends and colleagues. You really do provide your patients with unbelievable services and products, and you should never feel guilty to be paid fairly for the dental services you perform. If you want to learn more about the clinical business of dentistry and how to provide value-added services, you can and should offer your patients with need-based dentistry. Not crazy stuff, just the stuff you do every day. Services that insurance companies cannot regulate or control because of the doctor-patient relationship, please just sign up for one of our guaranteed trainings. Call and find out more information about what we do. If that business light turns on in your head, act on it. If you don't, it will leave in under 10 seconds and you'll miss out on profitable revenue like you have never seen before in your dental practice. Putting our guarantee on our tuition for our training will be the last, <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be the best dis- business decision that you can make in your practicing career in dentistry. That's right. We guarantee our tuition. We guarantee our training. Unlike anybody else in the dental sector, those are the words of our clients that they can, that it's the best decision that they've ever made in dentistry. Their words, not ours. Helping dentists get paid fairly for the dentistry that they provide, their patients, that's what our thought leadership is all about here at My Practice, My Business. Thank you so much for tuning in to the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple iTunes Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support the My Practice, My Business podcast. If you have enjoyed the program and information you received today, the best way to help is to leave us a five-star review. 
Thanks again for allowing us to be a part of your day.